jobs we do to make the cash we need to pursue our artistic dreams and to pay a service to dig up info on podcast guests who aren't active on social media oh that was tough yeah today we are talking about the bill payment profession also known as the white collar career or the office jockey day job we are your hosts jamie parker stickle and jason bieber and on this episode we are talking to the writer of one of my favorite books on the planet Mm -hmm. kevin kramer starts on monday her short stories have been published in harper's ziziva Electric Literature's Recommended Reading and Hobart, among other journals. And right now, she's at work on a new story collection, yeah. but thankfully she's taking this evening to spend some time talking to us about the many day jobs that have informed her writing. So please welcome to the show, the incomparable Debbie Graber! Yay! <laughs> Hi guys! Hello! Welcome! Thank you so much for having me! Thank you for joining us at this late hour. And yes, you're, you, like... We really appreciate it. Like making time for us and being like, yes, after I've worked a long ass day, I will come on your podcast. After I worked a long day, my soul sucking white collar (laughs) job. Are you kidding? This is amazing. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. So I think we can, we, we, I mean, we've got some stuff to jump into for, for starters. um, You have, I mean, you you gave us a list of your jobs, of, of jobs you've done in the past. Um, and I, you know, I know that if we go all the way back to the beginning, back to the Chicago days, yes. were you, were you, were you already writing when you were working at the second city? You know, I wasn't, I was really kind of like dabbling with things back then. I, you know, I kind of always, I don't know if you guys have this impulse or, um, you know, I always thought at some point, like I wanted to write Oh, I want to write something, but I, you know, and I took classes in college and stuff, but I just, I was like, not, it was a process, you know? And so it was really, especially back then, I think I was so excited to be working there um, at Second City. And, you know, I was just like a real improv junkie at the time taking classes there you like you working at second city i think improv and old school improv long form right. improv right is really like a gateway or like a gateway drug to writing mm-hmm. oh yeah yes i totally agree i think yeah. it, it's all about like the connections that you make the synaptic connections you make in your brain and you know yep. i mean i was you know full disclosure i was a pretty horrible <laughs> long form improviser i mean I just <laughs> me too me too it's hard i mean it it's is. really hard to do well and yeah. i think um the people who are good at it can just like get in a gear where they're just like really they get conditioned to like using their brains that way but but i told to your point i completely agree i think you know i think it is um like a really good way to kind of like train yourself to sort of follow different paths that you wouldn't necessarily follow so i i'm i'm down with that yeah for sure so were you working in their office or were you um interning because out here we have that like the three office people at second city la right we were always like oh please let that other one answer the phone to me (laughs) just like no not that one the other one um we always had the interns that did the ticket sales and like were there all the time 
you know, because Second City was such like a Chicago staple, you know, it was mm -hmm. like a yeah. historical, it was, it just was such an institution yeah. that um, it was really for a theater. It was extremely well-staffed. I mean, there were people, there was an entire, like, there was a marketing department. Well, it was me and one other person, my boss at the time. And then, um, you know, they had like all these people who were in the box office. They had a ton of people working in the box office. And then they had all of these, you know, the servers and the wait staff and everything. And the, it was, it was a pretty big operation, I have to say. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it was just like, it, it was just like a really fun, it was a fun, like creative job or create, I should say creative place. The job itself wasn't super creative. What but was it was the just job? A, well, I had a very glamorous job when I was there. I sold um, dinner theater packages to people. Yes. And sales. if you've ever been, <laughs> we great sales. There was this restaurant next to Second City called this Back Steak Joint. Oh my God, which is no longer, it hasn't been in existence for a long time. Mm -hmm. But that steak joint, God knows what was going on. It was like <laughs> mafia run, no offense to anybody affiliated with that steak joint. But so for a long time, we were doing dinner theater packages with that steak joint, like solely. And then we like branched out to like a restaurant across the street. There's a Italian place across the street and then a barbecue place up the block. And anyway, we, so I sold like group sales and dinner theater packages. It's amazing. Um, so, you know, we would get like people from like a group, you know, like corporate outings, yeah. people from Michigan and, you know, taking it, coming in for the weekend and stuff like that. So it was, that was my job, which was very exciting. And then, yeah. you know, sometimes we would have like buyouts like, mm -hmm. a, you know, and this sort of pre, pre shadows my um, corporate, whatever, like we would have these big corporate buyouts where like some company like ASICs bought out the theater for oh one gosh. thing where they, you know, we decked out the whole lobby with like ASICs shoes and all That's of that wild. stuff. So yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'm making it sound really exciting. Yes, it really no, was. But did they pay you hourly or did you also get... Um, commission when you would do packages i did get commission yes nice. i yes. did i mean they paid me hourly and then i also got commissions on my dinner theater packages yeah because i went to michigan state university and i worked at the wharton theater was it is it what the Wharton Theater? I can't even remember. That's how late it is, everybody. But I did graduate from that university. So I should know this because I was in theater. Anyways, I worked in ticket sales there and I didn't know this but I could also earn commission. I never did. I sold like two tickets at a time. There was no commission. You had to sell like group packages and you would right. get a commission on it. And I thought that was really pretty freaking cool. They, they started doing that. I was there for five years and they started doing the commission thing like a couple of years into it. And yeah, you know, I mean, it wasn't like I wasn't making a ton of money, but I was making enough to live on, you know, as per yeah. this podcast, like I, I had enough money to live on. I wasn't yeah. a complete starving improviser, which I probably would have been because I'm not a very good improviser. So. <laughs> did they, oh, did they um, give you classes at a discount or for free for as no, an employee? They did not. Oh. They did not do that. So I had to pay more of the classes, but yeah. you know, I think I'm trying to remember. I feel like I finished 
the classes just as I had gotten the job. Yeah. So mm. I think it was, it like was like ships passing in the night, but I think, you know what? They probably wouldn't have given me a discount anyway. Although, I mean, who knows? I think you only get a discount when you intern for them, which is right. they're not paying you. Right. Right. So then they give you a discount on your classes. So let me ask you uh, this. What, what, what prompted you to transition? It's not, you're, you're, you're taking classes at second city. Maybe you're, you're doing a little improv and what, what, you know, spark your interest in going upstairs uh, and working in the office. Yeah. I, you know, I really thought that somehow I was going to like um, breach the gap, you uh-huh. know, that like if I had a job there, mm-hmm. like I would somehow be around all of this creative energy and then I would be like a super good improviser all of a uh-huh. sudden. Or yeah. I would like, 100%. they would know me, you know, like uh, osmosis I, through the ceiling of the theater. Exactly. Up through the floors, yeah, you know, exactly. it was all coming through, uh, exactly through osmosis. So I think, I mean, I really think that was my, I thought, oh, well, I'll just get to know, I'll get to know people. And then, you know, that'll like grease the wheels for my like nascent yes. improv career, which, that, you know, didn't that, end up happening. Definitely you, you working for the talent manager. Sure. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. I used to work for a talent manager and uh, just being around it and seeing how it worked and you know, what goes on behind the scenes. And maybe slip your headshot to the casting directors and my the auditions and come in. You know, it doesn't hurt. It never hurts to know how it works on the, you know, on the non-glamorous yeah. side. Oh, I yeah. mean, that's a good thing to know. A hundred percent. Because once you're on the other side of it, you are so much more informed to be in front of the camera or be a writer because you know exactly right. what they're looking for then. And it's that's right. not your talent. It's not your talent. You're, they're selling a product. They're pushing a product in this business. Right. And that is, you know, yes, you have to be talented, but it's not going to, you know, um, you aren't going to affect an entire production. That's right. That's right. And, and, you know, it's so subjective. That's another thing I think that, one could say about any creative endeavor and that's what makes it so like difficult slash um like painful kind of unseemly to to sort (laughs) of navigate it's like um you know you you want to think that you're taken seriously as an artist or like you want people to like what you do but the reality is people can't people don't always like what you do. I mean, they just, some people just don't get it or some people don't, especially about writing. Like how many people are reading anymore, you know, really? So um, it's just kind of like, yeah, I I don't know. I, I start, I think as I've gotten older, I, I sort of have a different take on that sort of thing. Like it's, it's not about talent necessarily. I mean, yeah, it's it's great to have talent or to have people think you have talent, but it certainly doesn't make or it's not going to make or break somebody's career, you know? Exactly. That being said, you get into this white collar role of like sales. Yes. And did you, were you good at it? Were you like, oh, I'm good at this and I can really pay my bills. This is cool. You know, I... <laughs> I wasn't horrible at it. Like I was okay <laughs> at it. You know, we didn't have to. Fortunately, Second C was a pretty big enough draw. It, you know, it mm-hmm. wasn't like some 
horrible theme park in the middle of like Gurney, Illinois, which there is a theme park, by the way, in the middle of yep. Gurney, Illinois. And is it horrible? Uh, I, you know what? It wasn't when I was like 10 years old and I was going there. Okay. Right? Oh, we used to Cedar Point and I thought Cedar Point was pretty gross. But Cedar Point's like super, that's like everybody wants to go to Cedar Point. Everyone in the Midwest. And yes. every senior skip day, everyone's going to Cedar Point. Yes. That's, mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, Great America was like a poor person's version of Cedar Point, but I digress. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I wasn't terrible, but, you know, we did have, you didn't have to do that much, like, hard sales, because, yeah. especially during the summer, they had all these, you know, people wanted to come with groups, companies wanted to bring their employees, blah, blah, blah. It was like, we really didn't have that hard of a time getting people in the theater. The only time it was hard was in January and February, when it's like, you know, 30 below in Chicago and you're like trying to fill the theater on like a Tuesday night. Good luck to anybody with that. Just for Um, body heat. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Just so they can turn the heat on. (laughs) There's beer. It's warm. Um, Yeah. So it, I mean, but I wasn't horrible. I, at one point I, I said to my father at one point who had, who was not in sales, but was like interested in, organizational behavior and had like a master's degree and that kind of sociology and stuff. And I was like, maybe I should sell like, um, like equipment, you know, like <laughs> farm equipment. Maybe that would be like a, you know, a good way to make money. And he's just like, oh, I like the way you're thinking about this. I like but, that, uh, you know, you're a Midwesterner, like you're yeah. working in Chicago. And although we consider that a big city, you're already thinking John Deere in Iowa. You're like, I, I oh. really, I was thinking of like, oh, well, I could sell farm equipment or I could, you know, be an outside sales, whatever. I don't even know what that means. I, I, I don't either. But it's just very specific that you're like, I'm really like honing in on this farm equipment thing. <laughs> but you didn't even, wait, when you went to, okay, you went from Second City though, you went to another entertainment job. I did. I did go to another entertainment job. See, because I really thought, okay, well, I've got to be in it. Um, I had a, I have a friend who is also from the Chicago area and she moved, she's an actress and she moved to New York immediately after graduating and was like, I'm going to, you know, make it on the great white way and all this stuff. And, um, she ended up working in production and she got a job on this sitcom. She was the audience coordinator. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> because we had live, there were live shows that they I remember those. Excuse us for a minute. Our sponsors have something they'd like to say to you. See, that wasn't too bad, was it? Now let's get back to the show. So she hired, she's like, why don't you move to New York and I'll hire you as my assistant audience coordinator. Yes. And did she open up a, like a corner of her studio in New York City for you also? Because she did help me find a sublet. And then I found, I mean, I lived in like five different places on the three years that I lived in New York. So eventually like I was able to find other sublets, but yeah, I mean, she, she's a very good friend of mine and you know, we, she's awesome. Yeah, she is awesome. So, um, so yeah, so I, I, left my, you know, I just, I've been in Second City for five years and I was kind of like, I don't really, I don't but, see this going, I'm not going to become like a major improviser and like be on the main stage and 
that's not really happening. But do, but at this point, were you thinking, I still want to be in show business in front of the camera or writing or doing something creative? Yes, I okay. definitely did. I definitely did. And yes. I still think that. Of course. Sure. And I think that about <laughs> you too. There. I have Kevin Kramer starts on Monday. Like, why isn't this a television show yet? Like, I am, I am it's, like, what's happening? We need to do something know, with this. I have tried. I really tried and maybe I haven't tried hard enough but I have kind of tried to figure out a way to work it into like I thought maybe like an anthology series of some kind that was my first thought but I mean the god bless the office I mean the office is amazing and it's fantastic and but I think people who are making decisions about television shows are like well that's the office. And if you don't have some really different spin on it, then it's just like the office. Oh well, yeah. Because I, there were like four that style shows that came out in the past five, 10 years that just did not make it past, right. but, but no, but Kevin Kramer starts on Monday is really special. Well, it's, for, uh, well, no, it's yeah. just different. It's just different. It's, well, it's I, I different say, and better. Kevin Kramer is, is, uh, <laughs> it's, it's like the office meets Mr. Show. It is. That's I like exactly that. it. Yeah, That's it just it. like melts into the next thing, completely forgetting the last thing, but also think, remember. Yeah. I think you need to pitch this. I think we need to have it. This is going to be right turning now. into something not podcasting at oh, all. Are you okay? <laughs> oh, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll oh, take no. over. Jamie's out for the <laughs> I'm in the room. You just yeah. nailed it. I just nailed it. Okay, good. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. I love I Mr. Show. That would be you. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, All right, you're, have your people call my people, and we'll figure this out. Uh, Which, we are each other's people. I know. I was going to say, I don't have any people. So so in New York, I worked only on Cosby, the sitcom that I worked on. Yes. So, but a lot of good things came out of that, because I did meet my future husband there, which was good is he in entertainment also he is also a writer he is a tv writer and for a very long time he was an employed tv writer which is even Uh, harder to come by that is a special snowflake yeah it's a unicorn yeah he's a unicorn (laughs) so um we met and then he ended up moving to la to work on a show he had gotten a job on a show and then i was still in new york and i was the Cosby was still a thing and we were still working. And then the show went down. It was, it was done. Yeah. So I thought, well, you know, either we're going to break up or I guess I'm going to move to LA, you know, even though I literally never thought that would ever be a thing that I would do, but okay. So I moved out here. And then when I got out here, I had, you know, a couple of jobs and then I, my like hard turn towards like real work, white collar work um, yeah. came when I started, I, I had a friend who was an accountant and yeah. she and I got to be friends at this other job that I was not an accountant at that point. And she, she went to this reality show company and she was hired as their controller. 
And she was like, we are just drowning. Can you do, you know, cause I was out of work and she's like, I'll show yeah. you how to do it. It's really not hard, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, I'll do this for a while. Yeah. So I started working at that at 51 Minds Entertainment, which is no longer in existence. I think like um, some other reality, big reality company, which escapes me, took it over, bought it out. Um, oh but they God, produced shows like, Flavor of Love. Yes. Soft flavor of Love. Yep. Yes, I did. <laughs> really, you know, real, real good stuff. Programming. The side of you that I was not familiar with. Listen, there was that, and there was um, I don't know if it's the same company, but there was um, the Motley Crue one. Yeah, no, Rock it wasn't Motley Crue. Yeah, Rock of Love. Rock of oh, yeah. Love. That was the same, same company. Rock of Love too. Because it was Brett, what, what's his name? Brett, Brett, Michaels. Brett Michaels. Man, I was like, I am sold. I am going yeah. to watch this. Those shows were very profitable. I mean, this company got bought for like probably millions, millions of dollars for yes. this crap that, that was they were producing. I feel like that was like the pinnacle of reality TV because they were making fun of themselves. It was so unrealistic, reality TV. It was right. like... It was so like ridiculous and watching it was just like, you couldn't be that invested. It wasn't taking down American society. It was just funny. Although I did, I was working at that company when I, I speak of high school reunions, I went to, I went to a high school reunion because I was in Chicago for like my 20th high school reunion. And there, you know, so I was there and I was talking to this woman who I knew in high school and I told her where I worked and I said, oh, you know, if you've ever seen like Flavor of Love or Rock of Love, that's, that's the company. And she was like, how can you have a job like that? Like, <laughs> how, do you, how do you look at yourself in the oh morning that you're, that you're doing that? You know, that's just, that's just bringing, you know, American society down to the lowest wow. common denominator. And I was like, Okay. Okay. You know. So you met a far. you met a Karen before Karen was popular. I guess I just didn't expect that she I I think it's because I didn't really take my job that seriously. I was kind of like, well, I'm just I'm just doing a job so that I can have yeah. an apartment. It's mm-hmm. called entertainment. And it's you know what? Stuff. Like we so we know what the product is, but you weren't it's not like you were manufacturing that product. You, you were right. you were you way, weren't even scripting it. Like what, what, what is it I like? Had, to I, be, I had nothing to do with this scripting. Yeah. All I was doing was like paying the bills. That's all yeah. I was doing. Paying the people, paying could, the bills. You That's could have it. been working at Schwab. I have to be yes, and I have to be honest with you. I honestly feel like we've had so many friends start in reality television as PAs or produ- line produce not line producers, but you know, low level right, right. <clears throat> who've worked field in producers. field producers sure. or in accounting, temping, like PAing in any That's- department. And they have now become executive producers of reality television. And Absolutely. I know that if you had wanted to be a writer of reality, shitty television, you would right. be. Uh, yes. I think that's true. true. And I totally did not want anything to do with any of that you know exactly you were paying bills i was paying the bills you were writing an amazing book and you were on a (laughs) journey to be this amazing human were you writing the book at that time i was i at that time i did start taking classes at ucla extension yeah okay did you meet todd goldberg there 
Yes, I did. That's where I met Todd. He was my teacher for several classes. And I really, you know, that, that was like three years. No, God, that was more than three years. That was like six years after I moved to LA. So for six years, I was basically like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. Like (laughs) I'm having, I have these crummy jobs. I'm just, you know, going to Sherman Oaks. And look, in and let's explain it to people because we've explained it before because we both came out like 20-ish years ago. And the thing is, we didn't ha- we had the internet, but it wasn't informing us how to be a creative person in Los Angeles because right. it's very different than going to New York or Chicago where there yes. is theater, yes. where there are institutions set up and you can go sign up for a class or audition. It doesn't right. happen in LA. No yes. one takes your hand, no, no. one holds it, and no one no. says anything. The only thing you can really get from people are, you know, go to Samuel French bookstore and look right. for what? Ask someone to look for what and and spend all the money that you don't have yeah, to right, get some right. books that are not really accurate of information. No. Like it it was it's it's such a it was such a game. People coming yeah. today are much more informed because the information highway is there for you. Absolutely uh, at, at a price. Yeah. <laughs> often st- well, not at a price like we had to when we came. I you know. guys have a Thomas guide when you moved out? Yes, sure. and I still to this day don't know how to read it. So I would map quest everything at Kinko's. I would like print out a map quest oh, form, pay like God. a dollar because it came out in color instead of black and white. And they were like, that's oh, a dollar. Man. And I was like, shit. And then I would like go to the audition, like, and I got to get back to this job so I don't lose it. Like my stomach was always, always, always <sighs> in not. Do you remember trying to follow map quest directions backwards? What? Oh, I know. Forget to, it. You can't do it. You can't do it. Oh, no, you couldn't go in reverse. You had to just know. You had to know. You had to, to get like, home. Yeah. Yeah. You had to kind of just be able to say, like, this street looks like the street I took a left on on the way in. So I'm going to take a right on yep. it now yep. to get I, back to whatever. Yes. I remember how important it was when I got my car in 98 that I got that feature, the compass. Right. <laughs> this, is your, your Jeep. this was my jeep you had a compass and i'd like that that if, when all else failed i could get somewhere i had a 1992 this was 2002 2003 i drove a 1992 ford tempo oh my god we had a ford tempo i i should have used the ford tempo i have a story in the first collection it's got a pontiac vibe yes. in it yeah, I, I should have used the Ford Tempo. Now well, that I'm thinking about it, there's book two. There's book two. That's right. There's room for another one. Always right forward. <laughs> Coming back to you know, you're you're taking classes at UCLA Extension, yes. Um, yes. and you're working at fifty mi- fifty one minds, doing nothing to do with reality television. No, really not. But you're you know you you are doing this doing like the whole cog in the machine thing, and yes, yep, and yes. And like your 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 working days, you're taking classes at night, pursuing you know creative uh, pursuit. Maybe yes. maybe not even you're not even writing yet. You're just learning, right? Right. Yes. I think it took a while. I mean, and it's you know, I'm sure you guys can attest to this. It's like there's no, it's never done. You know, I think like when yes. I first started writing, I I didn't really. Um, 
you know, you try a bunch of different things out and it was kind of hard to find the voice that you, that I felt like was more like legitimate for better or worse to to write in or like, it was hard to find the, the, um, the things that would create mileage, you know, in the, like, I can get a lot out of this. And I think what started to happen when I was working at 51 Minds and then after that is that the whole idea of like, well, this is your job and this is how people who have jobs kind of like operate in the world. And like, this is how companies function and this is your role within the company and this is how people treat each other. And there was such um, just a hierarchy and I get it, you know, like the world, you know, we're all in hierarchy. I get it. I get sure. it. But, yeah. you know, the way that we were treated um, as employees, especially like at 51 Minds and then like kind of at my other jobs, it was like you really started to feel like I'm just like a body sitting in a chair. Like yep. yeah. I'm a body sitting in a chair doing a Fun, you know, f- functioning in a way so that this company can continue to make exponentially more money than I'm ever going to see from that company. Oh, um, yeah. And I, I think I started to get really mad yeah. <laughs> about it. Yeah. Or like there was some injustice about that that sort of really started to hit home. Um, and so, yeah, I think once I hit on that, I really found like there was like a very good vein to just keep, you know, going mm-hmm. back and back and back to. 100%. What was your major in college? I was an English lit major. Very, okay. you know, uh, useful in today's yeah. world. Sure. 100%. Way up there, right there with theater. I think for a long time, especially when I worked at the company after 51 Minds, which, you know, is a payroll, an entertainment payroll company. I'll just- We're we're familiar with that. Yes, we know them. Um, It was very uh, 20th century in its Mm -hmm. (laughs) management style. You know, there was a lot of layers. There were a lot of middle, you know, layers between low level and high level and lots of managers who were just supposed to sort of grease the wheels between the low level oh, yeah. it was very weird at that company so many people died while i was there hmm. like it was scary and and after yeah. a while i started to be like am i going to be one of these people who like dies here at this job <laughs> yeah like, is that going to be it for you? me were they stressed out or were they like I think a lot of them were really stressed out. I mean, it yeah. was a stressful, it was a stressful place to work. <laughs> and in fact, I have to, I got to figure out how to write this story, but we had this for a long time. This is, this just cracked me up personally. I don't know if this will translate, but there's this actual like designation called a great place to work, TM. Trademark yeah. great place yeah. to work. It's like oh, it's a real Los Angeles thing. 10, 100, whatever best places to work. Right. Yeah. So my company was on it every year. I, there you go. Yeah. So uh, my company wanted in the worst way to be able to say that they were on the great place to work. Oof. Wow. So for years, 
they would send out surveys to their employees mm-hmm. and answer the survey. And we, you know, we want to be on a great place for blah, 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 for years wow. and for years they never, ever got even close to being on a great place to work because everybody was like, this is not a great place to work. And and I'm going to venture a guess that for years, despite not making it onto the desired list, they never changed a thing. No, why would oh. they do that? <laughs> it's about their nasty employees who are mean and yeah. spiteful and, you know, act like little children and want things that we can't provide them and shouldn't have to provide them. I mean, and who like, do you ever go, but who are these people sitting at the top? You know, it always reminds me of the Muppets and those two guys in the opera box. I'm like, who are Waldorf the t- and, uh, and, uh, Oh God. What was the other guy's name? I should know this as a Gen X or yeah. Statler, 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 Statler that's it. Yes. but who is, where is this coming from? Like if we're all feeling this way, well, I've been meaning to say in this conversation that, you know, one of the things that I love about your book and what I love about having you, I, I feel like we have you on this, on this episode of the podcast, not just as a guest, but as, as like an expert witness. <laughs> oh because, God. Well, because you, you did something with your book right? that uh, you kind of explored the, the psychology of the machine itself right. mm-hmm. that so many of us have been a part of, and especially we artists who were like kind of dip into that machine and live in, in a few years, but then we all get out. Or, or we try. <laughs> yeah. So, so you're working at this, um, at this payroll company. Yes. And, and this is the time when you're, you're inspired and you kind of figure out and, and, and in a way you're kind of, you're, you're getting, you're doing the job for money, but you're also yes. now kind of milking it for, for your stories. Absolutely. And I yeah. think, I, I, I don't know, you know, I'd have to like really think about it because, you know, for better or worse, as much as I really at times, I mean, I made a lot of friends there and I had a lot of friends who still work there. As much as I hated working there at various points along the decade that I worked there, I needed that job. Like Same. I needed yeah. to have that um, kind of like creative spark of like fury in this case, mm-hmm. you know, this like furious reaction of like how absurd it all was, you know, yeah. it really like it, um, it like struck a chord or like, you know, pinged something internally that mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you know, this is like, this is really good stuff. You know, I mean, yeah. I've always enjoyed, I've always enjoyed reading, you know, absurdist type uh, authors, you know, Kafka and like George Saunders. I just love George Saunders. And yeah, I, I think that that really all of a sudden, like the confluence confluence of events was such that it just like yeah this is what I'm gonna this is what I'm writing about it was just like oh okay you know and I mean being in UCR at the time also was really helpful because you're forced to like you've got to write you know it's not just like sitting around going like maybe I'll write about that time when I was you know five and blah 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 it was like oh you know I need to write something that's like immediate that's like really gonna 
kind of like I can put some energy towards um, yeah. some like, you know, emotional, intellectual energy towards. Um, were you so, yeah. still, were you still at this um, place when you went through UCR? Yes, I was. I was definitely still I was working and going to UCR and um, and yeah, I, I have to I think it just it worked out. You know, it just worked out that like that was something I felt. I needed to write about. Um, so, so then what, what happens, you know, you're, you're, you're writing a a given chapter and you, you, you know, it's been a little while since I've read it because it was when you were doing the program, Mm -hmm. but, um, you're, you're, you, you fit, you know, and these are short stories for anyone who hasn't read a collection of stories, but they have a common thread. Yes. Um, so when you you finish one and you 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 know you've got another thing to write, you do you come into work kind of looking for it at that point? Like does it does it <laughs> right. change the work experience? Do you find yourself uh, like flipping into voyeur mode? Oh my god, totally! Yeah, that's a great question. I always was like like you know in like observing mode, like you know uh-huh. from the corner of some meeting to like oh god, you know it. And things start hitting you. Like, for mm-hmm. example, one of the stories, I was, it's not like I was thinking about like, well, I got to write a story or whatever. I was just at work. And one of my coworkers started talking about this guy who worked in software and just like, oh my God, this guy is so disgusting. And he's just like got this mug and it's just totally disgusting. And I was like, oh my God, all of a sudden I just was like, this is, you know, this is gold. Uh Keep talking, you know, what else does he have? You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think I started to become very observational in my, uh, just when I was there and seeing how. Did you write? on the job did you actually like write some of it on the job god i think at one point i did oh i know at one point <laughs> one of the things they kept doing at this job is they kept moving people like they kept uh, moving us around like somehow that. things were magically going to get better if they moved us from like this floor to this floor or like they changed everybody's seats or they moved us so they had they moved did that they did that in jack's first grade class Let's take a quick break. And now back to the podcast. They would just move me because I was a temp, even though I wasn't. They just kept moving me to different floors and I would have to like take stairs to get back to the team by myself all day long. I was very thin. I was very, very thin. I'm sure from all the cardio up and down the stairs. It was great. I was like, okay. But for the longest time, they kept me next, right next to the bathroom. So every time somebody would go to the bathroom, they felt it necessary to talk to me. And oh, God. Like, See, it's like office space. They're, you're lucky they didn't put you in the basement with it, the, it was the stapler. Exa- it was exactly like office space. It was like we That's couldn't funny. figure out what was happening. Anyways, continue, please. They were, moving, so, they were moving you they around. They were moving you around. So they were moving people around. So at one point, they moved me and one other person into like an office that had been some like it hadn't been in somebody's office. It was like some stray room that they, they were like, oh, we're going to move you two into this office. So when I moved in <laughs> with this one other person, I was like, if I had the time, I was like writing or, you know, working on yeah. stuff. Um, but that didn't, you know, of course that didn't last forever. And they moved us out and back into the, 
into the fray. Oh, I don't know if people know this, but it costs an ex- an extraordinary amount of money to move people in office buildings because you cannot move yourself. You're absolutely not allowed to touch anything. They have to hire outside companies that are are, um, insured and they pay a ton of money to move employees. And I I always think about that with how many times I was moved to a different floor. Like, were they paying for me? But they never moved my desk or my things, like, which I I didn't have any anyway. (laughs) It was was like I was a ghost. But um, I do think about, because they did the same thing, and there was open floor plans, and then they would renegotiate how those open floor plans looked like right. hexagon desks yes. or, you know, <laughs> you know, the squares or, or right. the, like, is that a Nazi symbol? What have you done? Like, yeah. like right. just really weird shapes. Swastika shaped desks. Yeah. Like, Actually, that's a pretty clever design for like four desks. Yes. Right. <laughs> but it was like, it was so, if you could just like rise above and see what was happening, but it cost them so much money. And I just think to myself, well, maybe that's why you lost the confections business. You spent so much money moving people constantly. I totally agree. I think that there's like very um, sort of like low hanging fruit ideas about organizations and you know um people being more resourceful and and like things that'll motivate people and that stuff is just not you can't really motivate you know what motivates people is more money and better stuff flexible vacation flexible things and you know i think it's really ironic that now you know but hopefully semi post pandemic or fingers crossed you know a lot of companies are like well we're going to go back to the way that that was where you're going to have to be in the office and a lot of people are like um no i'm not doing that i mean nobody needs to be in an office anymore sorry commercial real estate business right you know i mean go because they want my problem they really want work culture right okay which is really just like propaganda for Uh, your culture um so when did you leave that job was it when you finished the book did you what happened Uh, it was um and done (laughs) (laughs) you can pre-order my book here 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 (laughs) now i i still worked there after i wrote the book which i thought was a little bit weird like i was kind of like and some of the people, like, I mean, I had friends who worked there, who read it, who, you know, got a kick out of it. Yeah. But some, like, the guy who was the head marketing person, he told me that he read it. And I was like, how did you read that and not get, wow. like, a little bit weird by any of this? Obtuse. Yes, very yeah. obtuse. I was like, yeah. I don't know how you read that and didn't recognize yourself. It's a marvelous work of fiction, Debbie. <laughs> right. Where did you get the inspiration? Where, where did you find those ideas? Such a creative mind you have. <laughs> oh, so funny. So I did work there. And then I think at one point, I just was like, you know what? I cannot work here anymore. Because like, I don't want to die here. I, ju- I didn't I didn't want to die there. I was like, <laughs> I can't just be that person that they have, the, you know, the, the memorial um, potluck for. Like, right. I just can't do that. 
Oh. So yeah, which they had, you know, there yeah. definitely was plenty of those. Um, so yeah, so I left and then, you know, all of this. And so by this point, like now I've been in and around production accounting for TV and, you know, and features yeah. for like 15 years. Is so, that you know, so I got, a, you know, I freelanced at Netflix for three years and, you know, you, you learn a skill and then it's like, well, I need to have a job. And I, I have to say, I, I've been freelancing for the last like four years. That's great. And, you know, we, I get my benefits through the um, IATSE, you know, it's part of the union and all that stuff. And I feel like there is something to be said for not being part of like a corporate culture. Yeah. Um, somehow you don't feel, I didn't feel as like personally inundated with all of the propaganda yeah. that just constantly comes in. I think when you're, when you are a corporate employee, I mean, yeah. never say never, I could be a corporate employee tomorrow. Who the hell knows? But it's, it's just, um, I feel like that made, that makes some kind of a difference somehow even if you stay at a place you you still have this sense of self right when you freelance like right I can leave at any time and pick up work someplace else I'm I'm not beholden to this culture or this mindset because I have myself I have invested in this separate thing that supports me and that's it yes it's a big deal like we own our own business but um, we have Airbnbs, but we're conscientious about it. Um, but in saying that we are through Airbnb. Now we're not a part of their structure. We're freelancers. Right. They right. just, you yeah. know, and that's nice because I feel like I don't have to believe in everything they do. And I can fight against some of their rigidity and right. like what they do in community and yes. feel okay about it still. Yes. Right. Um, so, yeah. So I totally I, understand. It's, I think, there's definitely something to that, you know, where you don't yeah. have to be part of the culture, you know, and you don't have to have the, um, you don't have to be funneled the propaganda, right. you know, it's like, as I think it was very useful for me to be in that situation. So, so that I could get what I needed creatively out 100%. of it. Um, I, I'm totally appreciative of it, but I don't, I, like I said, I, I think that's it. Like there is like an existential threat in my head of like, I cannot die being that person. Like yeah, I've yeah. got to be a different person. <laughs> I've got to, I've got to have different experiences than, than just that, you know? Yeah. There is a formula and there's like, you know, what am I getting out of this job? And if it's just money, how much money is enough? Right. If it's more than money, like how much experience, what is experience worth? as a, you know, compared to money, right. I have not yet found the job that I felt like this is the job I want to die doing. Oh God. <laughs> That's and, and I don't think really there is a job that anybody wants to, to die doing. I mean, well, maybe I, I shouldn't say I mean, the job of living, the yeah, job yeah. of living life is the only one that you can That's successfully right. die from doing. That's right. I think I would like to, you know, you know, finally make it as a paid actor and have that be my only career and do that for the rest of my life. I think right. that's the job I want to die doing. Well, I'm glad to know that. Thank you for declaring it. One of these, yeah. yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. yeah, I think that's fabulous. But and of course, that's, you know, once you get that job, then you second guess everything. Yeah, but that's the nature of any job. You know, yeah. I mean, I think even, 
a creative, a quote, creative job. You know, a creative job is, if it's a job and there are job responsibilities and there are job irritations and annoyances and, you know, there are people most likely that you have to deal with, which always creates a problem when there are any people that anybody has to deal with. It's just, it yeah. starts to be like, I, I just, I feel like at least I'm not drinking my own Kool-Aid in a way because I have no, yeah. there's no doubt that like the job that I have is not a creative job. It is not. There is a definite um, like schism between me and my job and like me and my creative endeavors. Um, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and if my creative endeavors ever afford me some kind of cash that I can live off of, you know, that I'm really able yeah. to, then that's, that's great. You know, I'm not going to never say never, but I think for a long time, yeah. I did want to get out of having a day job and like, really who wouldn't want to get out of having a day job in some way, like win the lottery, inherit a bazillion dollars, you know, whatever. Like right. nobody really sure. likes having a day job. I don't think, I mean, not to make grandiose right. statements like that. I'm sure some people do, but I, uh, I just kind of feel like that, um, that if I'm going to have, like, I just could never see, I still really can't see that my creative endeavors necessarily are going to translate into me making a living out of it. Uh, you know, I, not that I've given up, but I'm, I, I feel like it gives me a little bit more freedom in a way to pursue some different kind of writing or, you know, writing in a way that maybe isn't super publishable or is kind of more yeah, experimental, 100%. you know, it, it sort of like frees me up yeah. to feel that way. Um, I, I understand exactly. I think I understand exactly what you're saying, because there are people who, you know, there are so many different kinds of writers and everybody might have an angle of wanting to be a right. book writer or be a TV screenwriter, but we see writers making a living as ghostwriters, content right. writers, you know, feeding the coffer writers. And that is not who right. I am. Right. I, I write right. books and I write yes. pilots, like the, the shows, like those are the two. And I don't want to spend right. the time trying to make a living quote yes. as a writer making writing content because somebody asked me to write content before and I did it and I hated it so much. I was like, no, this isn't, writing no. this isn't what I thought right. writing was and I don't right. want to do this I, I totally I'm with you 100% like <clears throat> if I'm gonna yeah if I'm gonna write like I'm gonna write the stuff that I want to write whatever that whatever yeah. that is um you know I don't yes. want to write like listicles <laughs> exactly and I, I was writing for radio and I was doing that and for DJs in the morning and it was like it was so hard though also yeah. it, people do not know oh, how God, hard that is it was so freaking hard and it would take you know they were like oh when you've done it long enough your eight hour day won't be 14 hours okay. and I was like it was taking me 14 hours to come up with like 30 different I did write 30 articles half of them were listicles half of them I had to like you know, I was scouring, you know, TMZ and oh. all the, the, I had to read so much every day, read really fast, pull the, the information and get it all in by oh, 10 PM geez. Eastern time. So I had to get up at 4 AM to get the stories before oh, no. it was horrible. And that's a writer. That is a writer. And yeah. the, and the women I met doing it are oh, awesome. Yeah. 
They're awesome, but I don't right. want to do that. If that's right. the title, nah, right. not that. That's not yeah. who I am. I don't want to be an actor doing reenactments or you know airplane right. videos. Right. <laughs> <laughs> reenactments because we've done them. I've done them. Oh done my them. god! Yeah. What kind oh, of yeah. like like crime scene reenactments from like? Yes, I was. I was in a natural disaster, the Haiti earthquake. I was in the one where the woman's husband was mauled by a bear and survived because I ran and like saved him from the bear or something. Like it was bizarre. That's awesome. Really, me like running a lot in short shorts. (laughs) I look nothing like that. Is incredible. That is great. Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of there's all kinds of you know, show business opportunities to bar out your craft. Yeah. Which is, you know, and a lot of people will do all of them, you know, and that's great. And I think it's, it suits some people have the, um, not the fortitude, but the, not the tenacity, but something, they have something. It's some like innate reason to like stay in that, you know, like, and I think that's great. Like if somebody is, you know, it has that gear where they can be like, yeah, yep. I'm doing that reenactment. And yeah, I'm going to write that listicle. Yep. And, you know, I'm going to yeah. write that, uh, you know, article for whatever website. And I sound like a person who's never been on the internet before, but you know what I mean. It's like, I know a hundred percent what you mean. And I am on the internet. I mean, I'm on the internet a lot too, but I just don't like, that's the other thing that I don't really do. This is just turning into me sounding like complete, like a person who's like doing nothing in their, like knitting in their garage or something. Um, (laughs) Like. Just a technological Luddite. (laughs) Okay. So you're freelance working in billing or. Production. um, Bill pay. Yeah. yeah. And then you're working on this. Yes, I am. Yes. Are Exciting. We, are you working? What else are you working on? Um, when you write a short story collection, which I, I do you write short stories or do you write novels? I write novels, yeah. Okay. I, write, I should I, have known that. No, no, no. That's okay. Um, I write novels. I I find that um I have my first book, which won't go out, it got me into the program, was a collection of short stories, but it led into this one long story and a lot of it is set at my workplace my former workplace too but um, read this book I'm I'm reformulating it now it's not the first book that's going out um I wrote a completely different book that's so exciting wow I I'm having trouble with the fictional short story I think essays are easier for me than Uh fictional uh short stories and you are a master at fictional short stories I mean it's it's hard that is hard it is hard, but it is hard. And, but I find for me that what's, what's harder for me is writing, you know, I think in novels, you get so much, there's so many pages and there's so many things that you can, you know, there's so many avenues that you can take and you can jump in and out of people's heads that you can, mm. it just feels very overwhelming to me to yeah. try to do that. Um, that being said, I, I really think that it's something, and I've been saying this for years, but I think now I, you know, this like pandemic period has really, I really found myself like doing a lot of writing and having a lot of different ideas about my writing. And so I think I'm, I'm, (laughs) 
don't hold me to it. But I, I really think at this point, I'm like, you know what? I really should just, I can, I have, I have material for a longer, for something longer. Oh, I'll, okay. I'll oh, that's exciting. That. exciting. I mean, whatever that is. You heard it here first, folks. Well, yes, here, right. I also want to make one disclaimer really quick. Um, Debbie's short story collection doesn't is successful it does not need to be made into tv to suit my needs uh, books aren't successful because they get made into movies or television shows i want people to know that books are successful because they are books end of discussion i just wanted to say that because a lot of people come and think like oh well when's it gonna get made into a movie or a tv show and i'm like no 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 no. it's mm. a book it's successful right. Yeah. Right. it's a whole thing hey like, I am totally open to, if somebody wanted to approach me about turning my collection into a, into a series, I'd be like, yeah, let's talk about it. You know, a hundred percent. I would watch it. I, yeah, I have, you know, no compunction about that. I would, but, I would beg for a job on it. Can I Oh my God, I'd beg for a job on it. <laughs> you know, Debbie, you're amazing. Yes. You guys are amazing. Um, we want to thank you so much. This has been amazing. This yes. is a dream goal for me to have you on the show yeah. and to like, talk about yeah. all of this. Um, I'm, I'm so appreciative of you. Thank you. Well, thank you guys for being so lovely and wonderful. And I I will just, we'll chat. We'll chat more. Yeah, chat more. I would love that. She showed on we would like to thank our guest, Debbie Graber. Make That Paper is Us, Jamie Parker Stickle and Jason Bieber. Episodes mixed and edited by Jason Bieber. Our theme song is Monday Girl by Jordan Bieber. And Make That Paper is hosted on Anchor FM. If you like the show, do what all podcasts ask you to do. Subscribe, rate, review, and share. And talk about it on social media, at work, family gatherings, and at your favorite watering hole. And tune in next week for another great guest. (laughs) 